All right, let's go in your Bible real quickly to the book of Mark 11. And I can't get this passage of scripture out of my heart today. Jesus has just made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem in Mark 11. And the people were shouting as he went, starting at verse 9. Just stay right where you are, uh, Miss D. At verse 9, they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into the temple and went into Jerusalem, into the temple. And when he had looked around at all things, as, he, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now I want to get to verse, uh, am I in the same part? Yeah, yeah, we were there. Now verse 12. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing, a, a, seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was the season for figs, or it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no fruit... Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. And when the evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter remembering said unto him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And so Jesus answered to them and said, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you that whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. And Therefore I say to you that whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Father, I pray that you'd give me a, a, an ability to communicate what you have put in my heart. Holy Ghost, just speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to minister to you on this because I believe we're being prepared. We're still in that moment that we're preparing for the great harvest. But tonight I want to talk to you about preparing for a greater realm of faith and authority. If we're going to walk in this place of the miraculous, in this place of healing... I believe God is doing something to shift us into it. I really believe that with all of my heart. I want to show you some things through this passage you've heard preached many, many times before. First of all, I want you to notice this isn't the first time that Jesus goes to the temple to cleanse it. It's actually the second one. The first time was when he first started his public ministry according to John's gospel and John chapter 2, Jesus went into the temple looking around and he took a scourge and he began to drive out everybody that was selling the doves and selling everything. He drove them out of the temple and declared to them, he said, as it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. 
for all nations. That's been his desire. That's what he, I want to make sure that I read it exactly right. I think it's John chapter 2 where he went in. Let me look at that real quickly. Yes, he says, he said he drove them out. Then he remembered, uh, then he remembered this. He says it a little bit different in John 2. So just stay where you are. Then his disciples remembered the zeal for his house has eaten, has eaten him up. And so he comes in and he's cleansing the temple. Now, somebody challenged me, uh, didn't challenge me, but spoke to me a couple of weeks ago about why do we seem like we're always in a cycle and we're never getting where? You seem like, you know, we, we get here and then all of a sudden, well, he's preparing us again. Well, the reason he's done this two times now is evidently they didn't get it the first time. Even though he came in and did it, they went right back into their old way of living and their old lifestyle. So let me lay some things down here as we look at Mark 11. In verse 12, the Bible said, Jesus comes to Jerusalem. Jerusalem means the place of peace. And he comes into the temple. The whole emphasis of this, of this picture is really about the temple. But it's not about the building. It's about you and I. And that's something that you and I are really going to have to grasp and understand. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about his temple that he's choosing to dwell in, and that's you and I. So he's coming to Jerusalem, the place of peace, to make peace for all of us. And the Bible said he goes into the temple, and he looks around, and because the hour is late, I believe there's a significance to that. Let, let me back up. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. This whole story is an illustrated sermon. You realize that Israel lived really by illustrations. Their alphabet, you and I would see them as, as letters or as numbers, but Israel would see them as characters. So when you would see a character, they would have an understanding of what that would speak of. You've heard us over the last couple of years. This is the year 5782, I believe it is. And we've talked about what all of those significant things mean. Everything that basically Jesus did was an illustrated sermon. Why, and it dawned on me until I thought about it through this verse. Why do you think Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen my father? See, he gave him an illustrated sermon to see the Father of heaven, to see the Lord of glory. He gave that to him. So as he goes in the temple, he's given them another illustration as, as he comes out. So the Bible said in verse 12, he now goes to Bethany. And Bethany is the house of figs. Now, it's not just by reason that he chooses to go to a place called the house of figs. All through the Old Testament... Figs would represent Israel in some measure. Let me show you a few things. In the book of, in the book of Hosea 9, chapter 9 and verse 10, it spoke about their relationship with God. You can put that up if you have it. They are deeply corrupted. Is that, they are deeply corrupted as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Next verse. I have found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first fruits of the fig tree in the first season. He's showing them. He's using the fig as an example of their relationship, of Israel's relationship with God. He said, I see you as the first fruits on the fig tree in the first season. 
But then we also see it in the book of Micah chapter 7. He uses the fig as showing the rebelliousness of Israel. Let's go to that one if you don't mind. Woe is me for I'm like those who gather summer fruits. Like those who glean vintage grapes. There is no cluster to eat of the first ripe fruit which my soul desires. Next verse. Did I give, hope I gave you the right verse. Let me see, maybe I haven't. Let me make sure I got it. That, that's right. But it's revealing, back to verse 1, it's revealing, talking about the fruit, it's revealing the, the uh, rebelliousness of Israel. Let's go to uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 17. And this is what God says to Israel when they refused to obey him and kept defying him. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send on them the sword and famine and the pestilence, and I will make them like rotten figs that cannot be eaten. He said because they were rebellious and kept defying God, kept pushing against God, God said they are nothing more. They're just like rotten figs. They're not good. They're not worthy partake of. But then I got to give us a promise. Because even though he showed the relationship of their rebelliousness and then how he even looked at them and thought about them, God's a God of restoration and a God of mercy. So we go to Joel chapter 2 and verse 22, and it says this, Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit, and the fig tree and the vine yield their strength. He's talking about restoring after the locust and the canker worm and all that stuff came in to devour. God had a day. He said, I'm going to restore my people Israel. So he's talking to the nation of Israel. May I say that he's talking to us as the church. He's coming to us. And as he comes into Bethany, he sees a fig tree afar off in the distance. And he went to see if perhaps he might find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing on it but leaves. For it was not the season for the figs. The reality was, at that time of season, there shouldn't have been anything but a bud. Possibly on that tree. But when a fig tree had leaves on it, it was supposed to be bearing fruit. And this is what God was looking at. Remember, this is all an illustrated story. He is coming into the city, into the place where God's people are. He said, you have all the look, you have all the pomp and circumstance. You're going through all the motion. But when I get here, there's absolutely no fruit to be found from you guys. There's nothing on you. You look it, you talk it, you act like it. But there's nothing, there is nothing upon the tree. And then in response, Jesus said to it, now listen to what Jesus did to it. He cursed it. He said, let no one eat of you from this day longer. What he's speaking to is us. Is that emptiness where we're not being what God told us to be. He said, that is what I abhor. When he said, let no fruit, or when he cursed it, it became, it became something that he disdained, something that he would denounce, something that he would renounce. And God is saying, and I believe in this period of time of which we're in, and I do believe we're in revival. Remember last week and Sunday morning, I shared with you some of the, some of the, you, you know, the roadmaps of, of what revival is. We get in that place and, oh, he's in the house. And then we get in that place, we see a few things. 
something's happening. And then we reach that place where it's ouch. All of a sudden, God pushes through. And he said, now I want to deal where you are. Because once we get through the ouch, we get to oh. And oh is this. Oh, now I know why God is cleaning us up. I know why God is getting us ready. Because the purpose of God really stands up. And then we move from the old place that we move into the place that, man, this thing is on full bore and it doesn't stop anywhere. So he comes in and he finds this tree. This is bugging me, Chad. I'm going to go to the handheld if you don't mind. I can't keep it on my ear right. We'll just get rid of that. I don't have to worry with it. So then he goes from the fig tree. He goes from the fig tree that he enters into the temple. This is the last time. It's interesting. When he starts his public ministry, he goes in, and this is the last time he enters in. And the Bible said that when he enters into the temple, again, he began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and would not allow anyone to carry the wares through the temple. And he said this, is it not written? Has it not been declared what my house is? That it is a house of prayer for all nations and what they were doing they were setting their wares up something that he had given permission to in one sense way back here because of how people would have to travel to come for feasts and everything else to offer sacrifice he allowed them to bring in exchange and so they would open and at the door or on the porch of the temple could bring money in exchange for a dove or a sacrifice or something but the men began to pervert what God had given permission to and they had set it up to now where even the Gentiles had a right to come in to the temple into a porch but they had blocked the way for the Gentiles to come in and Jesus comes in and he says guys you are blocking the way for people to come to me and he turned over the money changers and that's where he declared my house was going to be a house of prayer for all nations now let's look at what that word prayer there, it carries a twofold meaning. It means a place of worship. It means a place of worship. Our lives are to be, remember, I'm not talking about this house. If you're not a worship, this house has no worship. Come on, somebody. If we, if we don't worship, this house is just a, it's brick, stone, and mortar, has nothing in it. But we're our worship unto the Lord. And I'm not talking about just coming in and singing. I'm talking about how we conduct our lives, how we live our lives on a daily basis in everything that we do, that we give honor and we give glory. Where we live, we live unto the Lord. I believe God is calling his hand on his people and he's saying it's time for us us to be who we say we are and we wonder we can point the finger across the sea and say they only do miracles over there and we give every reason excuse and we'll say because they don't have anything to trust in but God I believe the reason is isn't that they don't trust God we don't live the life that God wants us to live to see it happen in this place hello because it's not we're not a worship 
Church becomes something we worship on Sundays and Wednesdays or certain holidays. That's our worship. No, you're a worship under the Lord, whether you're at home, whether you're in the shower, whether you're under your car, whether you're on the lake, whether you're in the mall, whether you're in the grocery, wherever we are, we're to be a worship under the Lord so that others see Jesus on us. Sounds real simple, doesn't it? But it is. But not only is it a place of worship, no, it's a place of prayer. And see, if we're not careful, we get religious with prayer. Well, I said my prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I was taught that when I was a little boy. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. There's nothing wrong with saying that prayer. Even at, even at lunch, our prayers can become. They tell me I do drive-by prayers. Thank you, Lord, for the food. Let's eat. Hello. You know, after I've been here all day or wherever, I don't feel like I have to offer a five-minute prayer, but we do it. But it's deeper than that. It's not just about saying a prayer. This is what prayer, prayer is pursuing God. It's seeking after him. It's seeking his presence. It's seeking his face. It's seeking his hand. It's showing our dependence upon him. Lord, I need you. I can't live without you. Remember Sunday morning? I believe I'd never seen that until this past Sunday morning. The greatest sin was this. When God said, when they sinned, or the greatest part of the curse was this. God said, he said, he said, now, since I've created man, they have become like one of us to know good and evil. So because of that, I'm going to put them out of the garden. And the us he was talking about was all of the heavenly hosts, the whole entirety of the Godhead and all the angels and everything that, that heaven was about. He said, everything depending upon him. And our greatest sin has become, I do not longer need the Lord. I can do this without him. And we almost can prove that in everything we do. How many times have you heard people say, I'm a self-made man? I got news for you. There's not such a thing as a self-made man. Or I made all these millions. I got news for you. I don't care if you got 10 million, 100 million, whatever. You didn't make it. It's God's grace upon you that gave you the ability to make what you have. Or you could say, I've accomplished this and I've accomplished that. You and I need to realize, yes, we may have studied. We may have worked hard. We may have done this. But it's God's grace upon us that has given us the ability. And much of the church has lost the idea that I need God. It's proven over and over. We got people that don't feel the need to even come into the presence of God anymore. I love sitting at home and having my coffee and watching you guys at home. I'm glad we can do it, but we created a monster that was never intended to be because God told us to come together. See, that alone shows us that we're really not hearing and I need what God has. Well, pastor, I can hang out with people. I converse with people all the time. I'm telling you, you and I have got to come to the part whether we understand everything or not. There's something supernatural when we get together. There's something supernatural about it. When I was ministering to Doug yesterday, they called me to come to the hospital. Miss Jackie did. And he was struggling. She said he's struggling with his faith. I looked at him. He was sitting there. He was in a good posture. He wasn't, you know, they've had him got a lot of drugs going on in him to get the pain down. And as long as he stays in one position, he's, you know, pretty well okay for the moment. And I, I looked at him and I said, Doug, you've got as much faith as you've ever had. I said, the problem being, you have been in so much pain, you can't even muster it up if you want to. 
This is where I, I, you guys know I don't get sick a whole lot. But I remember years ago I got bronchitis way, way back there. Man, I was sick. I didn't feel like anything. I didn't quit believing God. I didn't quit believing the scripture. I didn't quit, you, you know, standing on what I, I just couldn't move it up. Because I didn't feel like it. And that's where the word came to me. That he tells us to, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. And let them anoint with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. See, this is where we come in. You don't know who's going through that needs our faith. That's where he said in Ephesians chapter 4, every one of us bring a supply. You bring a supply. You may not feel like you're bringing much, but listen, we just bring what we have. And when we put it all together, it's amazing. It's like a potluck. We can feed a lot of people when everybody brings their supply together. But if I just bring my supply, it ain't going to go very far. But every one of us have a supply of something to give. It may be faith, encouragement, it could be numbers of things. And who knows in this hour who's going to be the one to pray that prayer of faith. Because that's what we want to see happen. That day of that superstar thing is over. That I, If I could just get the Benny, if I could just get the Rod, if I could just get the Joyce, if I could just know, if we could just get to Jesus. And he may use one of us. In, you may not feel like you're all that in a bag of chips. You may feel like a twisted Cheeto. But if that's the case, God can still work through a twisted Cheeto that will leave even the crumbs on you when they minister to you. You may be a cheesy Dorito. Hello. But we bring a supply. But that's what prayer does. It pursues, God, i got to have you. i got to have you. I've got to have you. And I've noticed over years, over years, and most of us in this place are a lot older than a lot of young people are on the planet right now. But, but the reality is we've watched the importance of the things of God go from way up here to go way down here. And it's frustrating because we know. We know where we've lived. We know what we had. And you know what? Because times has changed and culture's changed, God hasn't. He didn't change His word to meet the culture. He didn't change His word because people, well, we're going to offend them if we preach the truth. He didn't change anything. Matter of fact, he still says, the preaching of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Now, when you think about that, there's no power because we're not proclaiming it. But he said it's the preaching of the gospel. So he drove them out. The scribes and the Pharisees, they heard it. They saw it. And they wanted to destroy Jesus, but for fear of all the people, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. And when the evening had come, he went out of the city. And then the Bible says in verse 20, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up at the roots. Remember, the fig tree was representing Israel. You're supposed to be bearing my fruit and I'm not just talking about the fruits of the spirit you're supposed to be bearing everything that I am and who you who I have made you to be and when he came and saw it Peter spoke up now of all the disciples to speak it was Peter Peter's always the boisterous one 
But remember, it was Peter that Jesus said, I am giving you keys to the kingdom. That whatever you bind is going to be bound in heaven and whatever you loose is going to be loosed on earth. He's given Peter a key. I'm showing you how to operate in the kingdom, Peter. Get a hold of what I'm telling you. And then he goes on to say, he cursed the fig tree. He said, the fig tree which you cursed was withered away. He said, no longer will I allow that to happen. I want to tell you, I don't know if it's a dangerous thing, a frightening thing or what. But I'm telling you, to play church is not a good thing anymore. To be in, it is not a good thing to be in the house of God and have sin in your life and, and for us to accept and, you, you, you know, just allow anything and everything to go. And I'm not just talking about people that you think might be in sin. I'm talking about all of us because he's going to deal with all of us. And he goes on to Peter and he says, now, Peter, have the faith of God. Or have faith in God. The other translations, and I think the original says it like this. Have the faith of God. Don't just have faith in God. Have the faith of God. The reason he just walked through all of that illustrated sermon and cleansing the temple was to get the temple in the place that it could operate in the faith of God so that we could do the next verse. For assuredly I say to you, Peter... That whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. It was not about the mountain. It was about that impossible thing that we see standing in front of us. He used that. I got an idea. There was evidently a mountain standing right there. He said, Peter, you see that? If you will have my faith, if you will have my faith and operate in my faith, you will speak to the impossible and it will have to obey you. You will have, notice it, don't miss this church. You will have whatsoever we saith. So we got to alter some words. We got to alter how we're living and quit saying, oh no, what are we going to do? I watched just a few moments of news the other day and they were talking about how high inflation is hit and how much increase it's costing families now to go to the grocery and get gas and all this. You know what? I can't agree with that, but I've got to start declaring that my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. We had a lady that attended here years ago. Uh, what's her name? Uh, your, 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 your sister-in-law's husband, Stacy Yu. What, what's... Uh, Faith's mother-in-law's name, Amy, Amy. She was, years ago, they attended the church here. Just average people lived out there in the country. Her, cap, her cupboards were bare. One day she looks at them, points to them, and says, you will never be barren again. And God gave her the idea of couponing and she began to go buy up hundreds of dollars of stuff that she got for pennies on the dollar, filled her cupboards. She was even blessed so much she was giving stuff away and they were using her to teach it in the university. But she spoke what God was saying. 
She spoke what the Lord was declaring. He says, if you're going to come to that place of faith, we've got to come to that place of faith. You know why most of us don't operate in faith? Because we feel the wickedness and we feel the despair in our lives. The sinfulness. And we'll say stuff like this. Well, you know, I'm not perfect. You need to quit saying that. Because you're giving yourself permission to stay right where you are. Because you've already been perfected as much as you've been healed in Jesus. It may not all manifested yet, but you've already been perfected in Christ. So the enemy comes along because of our sinfulness, because of all of our worldliness. And see, we bought into the lie. Well, God gave me permission to do it. But then we put our flesh into it. We put our flesh, we used to talk about being sold out to Jesus. We used to sing that song. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. See, we used to sing that song all the time. That was our altar calls. If you're ready to surrender it all to Jesus, and we meant it. We meant Jesus. We may have gotten back up and went back out, but deep in our heart, we had a real sincere desire. Jesus, you have it all. We used to pray those prayers, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, not my will, but your will be done. And because we've allowed stuff to get in our life, he's telling us why we're not operating in the power that we want to operate in. Because we've got to get this temple back to be in that place that I need him and that place of worship and get that stuff that we have put up in the way and the barricades out of our life. And listen, don't look around at everybody else because I'm preaching to you guys here and you're watching me online tonight. And I'm preaching to myself Lord, if I've got anger, if I've got jealousy, if I've got unforgiveness, if there's something in me, God, that I'm not aware of, or even if I am aware of it, give me the grace to deal with it so that I can operate fully in the faith of which you give me. Now I can move into the authority of which God has given me. He said, we'll speak to the impossible. I don't know. This messes with me. I don't want to see you go through that. I'm tired of seeing Pastor Val sick. I'm tired of seeing stuff happen to our people. Seriously. It's just like all week, every time somebody else is sick, church, we're declaring something that we're going to have to contend for. We can say the enemy, the devil's fighting. Yes, he's fighting. But what is our hindrance? I'm not trying to put us under condemnation. I'm just trying to follow God, and I believe he's preparing us. To move in a greater place of Him. To move in a greater authority. You see, faith and authority go hand in hand. You remember the centurion? I think it's in the book of Luke. Uh, see if I wrote that down. Uh, it's in the book of Luke. It's also in the book of Matthew. There was a centurion that loved the people of God, that had a servant that was sick. And the Jews loved him. Now, he's not a Jew. He's a centurion. He's a, he's, he's a Roman soldier. 
But he built the synagogue. Correct me, Charlie. You're my scholar here in the customs. He, he built the synagogues for the, for the Jews, and, and he blessed the people. And when they found out that his servant was sick, they went to Jesus and said, Hey, we've got a man back here that has blessed us, that's built a synagogue. He loves the people. Will you come and heal his son? And Jesus said, I'll go. I'll go. And Jesus makes his way. And when the man found out that Jesus was coming, he said this, I'm not worthy for him to come into my house. But tell him this, only send the word. Only send the word, for I too am a man under authority. And I say to one, come, and he comes. And I say to another, go, and he goes. Tell him just to send the word, and I know my servant will be well. And when Jesus heard that, He said, I have not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. See, our authority and faith have to walk hand in hand. And he's not telling us to operate in our faith. He said, I want you to operate in my faith. And his faith, he's a creator. That we ought to be speaking things. I talked to a couple today. This whole thing of COVID, we should have kicked its rear end out of this whole nation. I'm serious about that. It should have never hit our people like it did. I'm talking to me. That thing should have gone. It's demonic. What did Jesus say? I've given you authority over the powers of darkness to command them to go. He gave us authority. He said, I want you to go take cities. I want you to take regions. I want you to do these things. We've got to believe it so that we can exercise the faith for it. He said, Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, when you're pursuing me, so don't you limit me. Don't you limit me of what I can do, of what God can do for us. It's not about how you can do it. Like when me and Diane years ago was trying to buy our first home, everybody was telling me, go see what the bank will let you do. I already knew that answer. Not much. I want what God can do. And I had to declare that. We had to believe that. We wanted what God could do. And we saw God do it. We saw God bless us. I've seen his hand over and over and over. And I find myself sometimes, Miss Elzina, limiting the Lord. I have to come back. God, I'm sorry. I put a limit on you. I put a limit on you. But I know God can do it. God can do it just as well for us as he can do it for Benny Hinn. I walk around in this place and I say that, God, you're the same right here at 720 Bertling as you are for Ken Copeland. Ain't no different, God. I don't care if it's the Southwest Believers Conference or the Northwest or the Mideast or wherever it is. He's the same God right here. But we go to that convention with more faith than we come to our church because we're convinced there's more God there. Hello. We are. We just don't believe he's here with us. But he's here. He said, when you come to me, come believing that whatever you ask, that when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I told a pastor today, we all have a big problem. We don't know how to receive. We really struggle with, uh, I I don't need that. You, You just take that. Take it and give it to somebody else. You better, we got to stop that. 
God tells you to give somebody that you think's got millions, don't you worry about what they got. You just obey God. I sat in a meeting the other night with a with a with a, an evangelist that was preaching here in town, George Bloomer. I don't know if any of you know of him, uh, brother. I think he's from. I, I don't even know where he's from. This man grew up on the streets, bad dude. I mean, found himself in prison, drugs. I mean, he lived a whole life totally literate, couldn't read, couldn't do any of that stuff. Today, he's preaching all over the world on every major news, ever ever major Christian network. And the guy dressed up like 10 million bucks the other night, presidential Rolex and diamond bracelets around that and rings and everything else. And then he's talking about his Bentley and his Rolls and then the two Mercedes and the other things in his multiple homes. See, we get offended at stuff like that. Don't be offended. He believed for it. He just said, I started believing what God said. I started telling things to come to me. I started speaking to it. Come to me. And it started coming. Not everybody out there is a drug dealer that's doing good. Hello. I'm just trying to get us to get into the place to believe God. I've got to land a jet. We're going to pray. Will you come back here for me, please, Miss Tanya, just for a few moments. But I want you to know, because I believe there's a key, two key verses right here. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, anything, Anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven also may forgive you your trespasses. He said anything. Pastor, but you don't know. You don't know what's been. He didn't say I know. He said if you have anything. This is a tough one. Because I may have to ask forgiveness every, about every hour. Maybe every minute that stupid guy cut me off. They cheated me out of this. They done that to me. Do you hear how they spoke to me? You'd be surprised. It's the little stuff that you, you've heard that saying. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. He said, if you have anything against anybody, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Again, he's telling us why. If we're going to operate in it as authority and power, we've got to have that stuff out of the way. We've got to make sure our hearts are clean. Now, you may not know. And that may be a thing that you just have to periodically go to the Lord and say, God, is there something I don't know about? Is there something I do that periodically with my own life? I just walk to God and I'll think He'll maybe bring somebody back up that I never even thought. And, you mean that offended me? Yes, it offended me. Yes, it offended me. God, help me. Help me to release it. Let it go. Doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. And it doesn't mean that I'll forget it. But it does mean i got to get out of the place of judgment. Let God deal with them. And I'm going to obey God. Because if I won't obey Him in that, I would not obey Him in any miraculous miracle that He would want to work through my life. So I'm just encouraging us tonight. I believe we're in a time where we're in the ouch and God is touching the temple. He's touching Christ church. I don't know about everybody else. I believe he's touching us. And he's saying, I want my house back for what it was meant to be. I want it back for me, not for the games, not for the show, 
I was telling God, I pray like this all the time. Lord, I don't care if people know who I am. I want them to know who you are. And I want them to be drawn here to your presence. Not to a giveaway. Not to a, Isn't it interesting? Over years, it's what they felt to do. I'm not, please don't take this in. I'm being critical. But we had to start giving cars and TVs and everything else away to start getting our buildings filled. I'm thinking, God, I'm not opposed to people giving things away. But I just remember through the word, Jesus just healed a person and they came. We wanted to be where Jesus was because miracles and the power of God. Matter of fact, he said, the reason you're following is because all the miracles I do. You know, he didn't send them away. He just let them follow him because in the journey, their hearts are going to be changed. Lord, let us get back to that. Let us get back to purity and righteousness and holiness again before the Lord. Before the Lord, stand with me tonight. Father, I just surrender to you tonight. Can we just do that? Just ask the Lord to... I know He didn't give, I, I know he didn't give me this word for no reason. I know He's speaking this to us. And I don't know, maybe He's not speaking to all of us the very same depth and the same way, but I believe it's touching every one of us. Lord, help us to get our hearts, this temple clean, that you, God, can fill the temple with your glory, with everything, God, that you desire, that we can operate, Father, in that place of faith and power. Father, I pray that if anything even through me has brought condemnation, God, from me of how I presented something, forgive me, Lord. And I I just say, get that condemnation off in the name of Jesus, for there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. But I pray tonight, Father, for us, all of us, God, those things, God, that we've just said, Lord, this is acceptable in my life. This is just the way I am. This is how I function. Church, we got to get beyond that. I don't care how old you are and how long you've carried it, how long you've been that way. You can all make a change by the power of the Holy Ghost.